Welcome to the TikTok podcast sponsored by Tourette Ottawa. Listen in as your hosts Jimmy and Brandon discuss everything Tourette syndrome. You can show your support for the show by sharing it and most importantly, spreading awareness about Tourette syndrome. Before I jump into introducing today's guest, I want to remind you that the cure for Tourette syndrome is awareness. And the best way to do that and simultaneously support this podcast is to share it. Spread the word, generate awareness. You can send us an email at tiktokquestions at gmail.com. That's T-I-C-T-A-L-K questions at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns for us to discuss on the show. And remember, the TikTok podcast is available on YouTube in video format. So tune in at TikTok podcast on YouTube. Today, the guys discuss the science behind Tourette syndrome and relate it to their personal experiences. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, Jimmy, how are you today? Not bad. You? I'm good, thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah, me too. Always am. Um, <laughs> so, so today, uh, I wanted to uh, just go over some science because we talk about science or lack thereof um, <laughs> when it comes to research and, um, yeah. and Tourette's, Tourette's. But um, there, there is some research out there. But I mean, honest, honestly, um, there's nothing like, there's nothing too um, definitive. Like even the science, because kind of at the end, like we're not really sure, but this is something. <laughs> yeah, um, we think this might be it. Yeah, like all like it seems like a lot of correlation um, type stuff, and I'm obviously I want to look more into the bio biology of it, but yeah. Um, but what I got here, what what I the research that I was looking at um, for this for this episode is really more just about um, Tourette syndrome, like the uh, how it how it affects what ages it affects, and and kind of like the onset and right the stuff that we know for sure yeah yeah exactly like you know the clinical course of Tourette syndrome is is one study um and I think that uh the I think that these will be interesting because it really does tie in a lot of the stuff that we have discussed in previous episodes and and that we know but this just kind of you know, makes it fact so that we're not just right. saying how we feel. It's actually, it's yeah. actually there. So um, interestingly, interestingly, recently I was discussing with somebody about kind of managing Tourette's and I said, there's a lot of science behind it, but all of the, I mean, this is generally how a lot of science works anyway, but science first starts. Well, the first rule in the scientific principle or the scientific method is a hypothesis. First thing you have to get and and we're hypothesizing with a lot of the things we say. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I have a feeling as Tourette's is more studied and there's further research done into it, our hypotheses in at least maybe a few of them will be true. You know, the things that we say, a lot of them seem to be pretty, everyone with Tourette's is kind of anecdotally on, the, on board and we're all like, yeah, this works, but, but the science doesn't necessarily say it yet. So it'll be interesting to see like maybe if we do another podcast in, in 15 years <laughs> yeah, and, and and we hear, Oh yeah. Back then we thought this, or, you know what I mean? It'll be interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it is interesting how, um, how it all develops. And um, so I just want to jump right into this first study. And this is from, yeah. this is from two, uh, 2009 and it's from the journal of psychosomatic research. Okay. Um, yeah. it's vol- volume 67 issue six, if anybody is interested in looking it up, but uh, okay. So basically, um, what they wanted to do, their objective, was to uh, review the long-term clinical course of tics and comorbid conditions in children with Tourette syndrome, okay? Um, yeah. And so how they did it, rather than actually finding uh, a bunch of kids with Tourette syndrome and, and kind of studying them, I guess... I remember back from my university days, that would be like a longitudinal, longitudinal study. Um, they didn't do that. They did a literature uh, review where they basically mm-hmm. pulled all the science that's already been done and, and kind of ran mm-hmm. some, ran some st- statistics. Um, 
So from the existing studies from the existing research. Yeah. Because that's sometimes just way easier than, than hunting down a bunch of people. There is, a, there is a term for that. I just forget what the term is. Um, it's, yeah, I think I thought it's a literature review. I thought it was what it was called. Okay. But I might be wrong. Um, anyway. Uh, so what they found was that, uh, onset is between four and six years old, right? Which, um, we, I, that's a little earlier than I actually thought, to be honest. Me too. Me too. Um, but this is where maybe people get a little bit confused because I would have thought ages, you know, 10 is when like 10 to 12 is when, uh, it's the onset period. Mm. But, but that's actually when it's at, uh, it's at the worst severity. And I think maybe that's why people notice it most at that age. So they assume that mm. that's when it started, but realistically it's slowly started from earlier on mm. and, and, and that's when it kind of hit its peak. Um, it seems like a lot of the things that happen earlier on are things that are passable for, for normal. And then as ticks get more severe, people start cluing in good example of somebody cluing in really quickly would be the, our last guest, the president of the Toronto Auto chapter, Erin. Mm -hmm. She clued in super quick, but you know, like um, me, I was diagnosed at 10, but I, or nine, but I had pre-existing symptoms before that. They just weren't clued in on. Yeah, because it, they would just be, that's just one, that's just something that Jimmy does. Uh, and then another thing is just something that Jimmy does too. And they're not connected. Yeah. They're not connected and not, you know, uh, associated yeah. with with you know one condition and so that's fair like uh I, you know when i see this study i, I can kind of um you know logically figure out why that why it is the way that we think it is but yeah. um so uh on average the tick severity declines during adolescence and we've talked about that too um that a lot of the times people uh start to i don't know grow out of it or or whatever um and Learn by to manage it yeah and by adulthood um roughly three quarters 70 so 75 percent of children um with Tourette syndrome that you know when it comes on in between four and six uh they'll have greatly diminished tick sim sim symptoms and uh over one third 33 percent uh will be tick free by the time they hit adulthood wow 33 so, percent so tick free yeah so it's really it's about 25 it's about 25 percent of uh people living with Tourette's that actually um present it uh severely in adulthood which is wow. uh so i guess what that would be um uh one in one one in 100 people one in have 400. it so, so one, one in, yeah people. so so one in 400 people actually have it into adulthood um, yeah, which I thought have was pretty it severely. Um, it says have it in general or have it severely. Tick severity declines during adolescence. By early adulthood, three quarters of children with Tourette's will have greatly diminished tick symptoms, and one third will be tick free. So, so greatly diminished, and then one third will be tick free. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So one hundred and thirty-three people out of four hundred will be tick free that's really interesting yeah which is i mean it's that's kind of promising um information for yeah. parents for parents that are dealing with uh you know trying to trying to deal with Tourette syndrome um in terms of their children that's that's yeah. prom that's promising i mean there's still obviously a chance that it's something that they'll have to live with uh at, you know as we do um i mean adults. the majority the majority of people with Tourette's have it still it's just less severe yeah, well, I think that's the th like they they use their words carefully here because I remember what yeah. we learned before is that it never actually goes away, but yeah, uh, but this tick you know tick free. So, um, and then and then it goes on to say that the comorbid conditions like OC OCD and um, depression, uh, um, those, uh, sorry, they're more common during adolescence. Um, with Tourette syndrome and early adults. So their ticks go down, but they're like, as they go into adolescence, their ticks decline, but their um, depression 
and um, OCD and anxiety actually oh, wow. incre increases during adolescence wow. more just you know they're comparing that to the general population so just you know it's more more common in um, individuals with Tourette's huh. than the general population which is kind of interesting too like I I, I always thought that um, anxiety and depression was almost directly correlated with tick severity because mm -hmm. I thought that it was the the stigma or something or the social anxiety that actually caused the other issues, but that doesn't seem to be the case from this study anyway. Remember what, Ke remember what Kevin was talking about when he said um, what he studies, which was the effect of early stressors on future anxiety? Yeah. I wonder if this has something to do with that. Where, yeah, like, I mean, where because you dealt with the stress of having really severe ticks from 10 to 12, the time where your brain has formed those neural pathways in that time has increased your likelihood of anxiety and depression in the future. Yeah, and I, I don't know how that, um, they talk about adolescence and early adulthood. I don't know how um, how that goes on into adulthood, but I mean, I if, if we were just doing a case study on me, then this completely makes sense because that's when I really experienced most of my um, depression was early adulthood and and that's kind of you know I've, i feel what, like what would you say early adulthood it's what what years i would say uh when i uh, probably 20 to 25 or something yeah. like that like 18 to 25 or, or whatever yeah um so would I you mean, say that your ocd also increased my yeah i mean that's gotten worse even now like as i'm like yeah. like currently it's at its worst that it's ever been what but really in this in this time period in my life yeah but you also attribute that to to covid somewhat too right yeah i think so that's when i really that kind started of, to notice it yeah. that kind of set you off a bit right mm -hmm. they say that about people with severe ocd is that it uh it, like like big event big changes in the world can really what, affect yeah you. just something stuff that happens out of the ordinary like not really that i've had that i planned for that seems to really yeah. like spark it you know um yeah and interestingly uh, my my comorbids uh the only one that i had in early adulthood was was depression mm -hmm. um the but i had ocd when i was younger and okay. anxiety when I was younger, but they went, well, they didn't go away, but I mean, they went for all intents and purposes. I think I have a very normal level of both. I don't have any real obsessive compulsive tendencies and my anxiety is what a normal person's anxiety is, you know, yeah. what a, a non-anxious person, like I'm not very anxious. Okay. Yeah, I am. I don't think that it's, that I would call it like some sort of anxiety disorder though. Like, I, yeah. I mean, people just, I, I don't know. I just assume people get anxious, like, I don't know. Um, that could just be me yeah. being naive about it, but um, I, I deal with that. So, um, and so this is, and, and, so, sorry, no, no, you go ahead. Cause I'm just going to go to the, I was going to say, next. I was going to throw you a compliment there. People who are generally conscientious are also a little bit more anxious because they, uh, they realize the consequences of, of things they are good and not good at. And you are clearly yeah. someone who's conscientious because you are managing a lot on your plate. So it's interesting to, uh, to be able to relate those kinds of things together. Oh yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, I mean that it, that is true. It, like sometimes I feel like if if you just go through life, you know, aloof to everything, then there's nothing to stress about or be anxious about, right? Yeah, you just don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, but I don't know, that's that's just an opinion. Um, so this is interesting conclusion that they reached, um, and because, um, sorry, hold on. Oh yeah. Okay. So their conclusion is that, uh, the ticks are not the most impairing symptoms in children with Tourette syndrome. They think that, uh, it is not actually, and as we've said, it's not actually the ticks that we have to manage, um, mm -hmm. with, you know, in our children, not like to try to suppress the ticks or trick them out of it, but basically what Erin even did, what, what Erin does and what she said in, in her interview, it says that measures used to enhance self-esteem and such as encouraging strong friendships and um, exploring interests are crucial to ensuring positive adult outcome in Tourette's syndrome. 
So it's wow. basically like, let's, you know, get hobbies that get interests go and play, go and have friends, like just be as for lack of a better word, normal as possible. I don't I hate to use that word, but um, just oh, be like, true. I mean, just be like a regular, generally... go ahead. Yeah. Be like an average, let's say average regular kid. And, mm. uh, and then that is how, according to this study, um, they'll, they'll be able to have their reduced symptoms as, as they grow into adulthood, like mm. almost, almost not ignoring it, but um, it seems like, not making it the focus of everything. 100%. Yeah. Do you remember I, in the last podcast when Erin took that long pause because she was trying to figure out a way to say that uh, coming from the mom's perspective, but um, it's, it's as simple as you have to, you have to own the fact that you have it. It has to be a part of your life, but it can't be all of your life and it, it can't, you still have to do things that everybody does mm -hmm. and you still have to make friends and you still have to, to push yourself into uncomfortable situations. And it seems like it seems like the what you said, the word normal, and you, you backtrack a little bit and you said that you don't like that word, but that word is a, is what it means for a reason. Like normalcy is a societal standard for, mm -hmm. for, for behavior. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a standard for a reason. And something abnormal is generally, um, if you do things abnormally, like if you if you isolate yourself abnormally, it it's going to cause adverse effects in your yeah. life. Yeah. And so you know what I, you know what I'm thinking. Like after after we kind of broke this study down, um, it, it gets me it gets me thinking a bit. To um, we always talk about awareness is the is the best cure for Tourette's um, and which is obviously true, but I think now that there's maybe two streams at the same time where the individual with it and their family, they have to um, support uh, healthy activities like social interactions and which is hard because the kids get teased and it's when they have this hard. stuff, like it's not easy to do but it seems that the, the like if parents want to really help their kids and not have to see them go through this anymore as they get older, it seems from this study that um, like it, it's almost like it's almost like you know enduring all the pain right now and forcing them into normal social interactions and doing all the like to save the Pain yeah, it's the future yeah delayed gratification like if you think about what you would do to like what do you know what they do to a child say who's afraid of spiders or an elevator like what a psychologist would do probably just like slowly introduce them to spiders or elevators or something exactly like to, there's a term for it but i forget what it's called but they would expose them slowly to it's probably called stressor. exposure exposure therapy to be honest it's something like that. i think it actually it actually <laughs> is um and like ex using that and then applying that what is exposure therapy it's you're you're in the in the short term you're absorbing stress and anxiety and, and facing a demon that you don't want to face mm -hmm. and the same thing has to go with your Tourette's the more a kid with a shy kid with Tourette's or a kid that's embarrassed embarrassed of the Tourette's the more they talk about it the more they go into social social situations with it, the less weight and power it will have. Yeah, and then and then, and, and, and then they'll be able to um, to build strong friendships and and relationships and like exactly. so that goes back to owning your threats. If you own it, like like um, Aaron's daughter can talk to her friends about it. All of a sudden, that's not an issue anymore. Now she doesn't have to worry about the Tourette syndrome and the teasing because yeah. that's out there. She can just go on with she, her friendship now. What a, what a good example. So I wrote down while you were saying that awareness dot 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 and question mark is the cure for Tourette's. What do you think the and is? Ownership? Um, I don't know. It has to be. Um, I'm trying to look at this. Just just awareness. 
that might be the cure societally. Yeah. But what about at the what about the what about at the person at the individual level? What's the cure? And I think it's something like ownership. Yeah, ownership. Um, yeah, well, I mean, well, that's something that we'll have to. I like ownership. Maybe something about self. Uh, yeah, ownership. That's it. Self. Like, um, if you can own it, and that, and then that ties right into awareness because you'll make people aware. You can tell people about it. Like at, a, at like a, you know, a, a macro level, like an individual level. That's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, at the in the bigger picture, it's got to be society that um, and awareness to society because mm-hmm. it's like a cycle of if people are getting teased or made fun of for it, then they're not going to want like they can't own it, and they they can't own it because you know because they're getting teased and and society. But you could just worse. flip that around. If yeah. people aren't owning it, how is society going to know about it? Both of those things are going to increase, but it starts at the individual level, I think. I think, I think it starts there. I think so too. I, and I mean, for anybody who's living with it, that is for the most part, the number one goal anyways, is to, for them to be able to uh, manage it or, you know, get, get by it, get by with it. But obviously it's not the, uh, you know, we like people try to like the chapter and stuff to also try to help um, other people, but mostly I think, the main concern is for individuals to uh, learn how to do it. And, and I don't know if this means then that like, you know, once you hit a certain age, if it's not gone, like it's just not going to be, you know what I mean? Like we're like you and I, I mean, I'm sure that you've accepted the fact that it's not going away. Oh yeah. I'm not, like, I'm, not I'm not holding any prayers. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'm so stuck. I'm stuck with it. Yeah. Um, I think that was a really good uh, study. And honestly, like that was so informative and I only read the abstract. So um, I think how can that- people find it? How can people find it? Well, I can put the, um, the URL in the, in the, in the, in the notes. show notes. Yeah, Perfect. If, if anybody actually wants to go and check that out. Um, so this one is, so I have two more. We can go, let's just get into one more though. Um, so that we can actually really dig in. So I'll let you choose, okay? We have one from the uh, official journal of the American Academy of Pediatrics, okay? Pediatrics, sorry. And this is called Course of Tick Severity in Tourette Syndrome in the First Two Decades, which is we kind of just touched on, to be honest, but it's there. Also, this one is from Cambridge University, and it is an international perspective on Tourette syndrome. So they, uh, they went and um, studied 3,500 people over in, in 22 countries. And they mm. tell us what they found. Do you want to go into like that, that one? one? Yeah, that one interests yeah. me. Okay, so July 2000, all right. Um, so yeah, like I said, 3,500 individuals diagnosed with Tourette syndrome. Out of the 3,500, uh, the male to female ratio is 4.3 to one. And wow. this is uh, over 22 countries. So I know that we were always talking about um, like how it was in Canada and what we assumed was globally, right? Whenever we'd say like one in 100 and stuff like that. Um, but this confirms, I mean, not this, but as we go further, it will. But so the ratio it seems worldwide is uh, four point three to one, four to one, wow. which is which is a big difference. Um, and uh, I don't. And it says that it the male excess that that number occurs in every single country that they looked at. Wow. Yeah. That's that's the average. That's it worldwide, um, and. This one, this next part kind of uh, was interesting to me because I never associated this with Tourette's. I know, I think you have in previous episodes, but uh, anger control problems. Um, yeah. 
So anger control problems, sleep difficulties, uh, coprolalia, and self-injurious behavior. Uh, self-injurious? Injurious, yeah, like like injury so like or self-harm. Self-harm, yeah. Um, I, want, I wonder if that means what we think of as self-harm or if I, it means... No, I, I think it means like, uh, for example, like I bite my fingers like crazy until they bleed. Yeah. And yeah. like you, you used to crank your shoulder until your muscles hurt. Yeah. Like I, I think it's probably more like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Um, it says that anger, anger control problems are strongly correlated with comorbidity, regardless of what country, what region, or whether they were assessed by neurologists or psychiatrists. These, it, it seems like uh, anger problems are pretty much a comorbidity it seems like in everybody like that yeah, they, I, yeah which i didn't know I, you know i didn't know i that. thought i thought that was the case um i think i learned that from the former president of the Tourette chapter jill jill bobula right um and it, it makes sense i think i mean i'm not sure if you dealt with that i don't deal with it as an adult with Tourette syndrome but if you look at you know look at aaron um Erin talked about that with her her daughter I, I personally have some experience with that mm -hmm. um I think just the, the general the, yeah the general angst and 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 maybe anger of of puberty and prepubescent ages like that age 10 to 12 where, where your trust gets really bad and also going on into like development too up until I was like 16 17 years old like I had I had a, like a real temper and um i think those things are just exacerbated yeah that's i mean when i think back i i had really bad anger problems when i was yeah probably about 10 but i just assumed it was because you know my older brother would pick on me or um i would lose in a video game i thought that i was just a bad loser or something like that yeah but i would like get yeah. i i remember i would get like excessively angry about losing in a Nintendo game or something like really, really mad about it. I don't know. Um, it, it makes sense now. I didn't know that, but um, I grew out of that. It seems like. Yeah. I wonder um, if that's something that just kind of diminishes as you grow older. Maybe, maybe for some people, and I'm sure for some people it doesn't. Um, uh, so do, do you want to know the most common comorbidity? Yes. Or do you probably know it's uh, ADHD disorders? Huh, I actually didn't expect that. Yeah, that's the most common, um, you know, worldwide. Uh, and did you know that males are more likely to have all of these comor cor comorbid disorders than females? Really? Yeah, so we have it, we as being men or males, um, have it four times more. Uh, Tourette syndrome and they have the comorbidities more often so um, it seems like it's pretty it's more way more rare in, in female I wonder why that is um, so it's also way more rare in females to have the associated comorbidities yeah that's it that's it males are more likely to have those than females wow yeah um, so it seems like it, the t Tourette syndrome, like for the, for the most part hits men way worse. Like not only that they have it more, uh, more frequently, but also that it's more, uh, it's, it's more intense, I guess. Um, obviously that's not to say that no females have it worse. Like, obviously we're not saying that, but just, um, based on the statistics, um, and 12%, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was going to say, I wonder what the I wonder what the difference between uh, men having corpulilia and women having corpulilia is, boys and girls. Oh, that's getting that's getting into yeah, like a breakdown of of the the Tourette's. I don't I don't have that information, but maybe for next mm -hmm. time, maybe for next time we can yeah. talk about that stuff. Um, uh, Twelve percent of individuals with Tourette syndrome have no comor comorbidities. So it's just ticks for them. 
And uh, I don't know, to me, it feels like to think about that seems strange, like I couldn't imagine. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I definitely, the one that stuck with me for the longest has been ADHD or ADD. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's the thing, like all of these comorbidities, like how do you even know um, if you didn't have them? Like, I don't know, <laughs> that's what I mean. It's just hard to, to fathom that, but um, so the earlier age at onset, the greater the likelihood of a positive family history of ticks. So that was interesting to me. Say it one more time. So the earlier that you uh, get your, that you start developing your ticks, that means that that's correlated with ticks running in your family. Wow. More often. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. I mean, I knew I knew that it was, uh, you know, genetic, but yeah. I didn't I didn't know that it mattered like when you got it. But I guess yeah, earlier. Is there anyone in your lineage that you could point to that may have tick disorder, Tourette's? No, I mean sometimes I notice my mom, my mom doing some things maybe, but uh, that would never be that would never be officially <laughs> talked about or anything. That's just in yeah. my own mind, I see it. You know, just throat yeah. clearing and stuff like that. The sniffling she yeah. does too. Mm. Um, but th to her that like, I mean, that, that's never gonna be discussed, so. Oh yeah. How about you? Oh, that's funny. Oh yeah, yeah, for me, for sure. Um, both both sides, interestingly. My, my dad definitely had a throat clearing, a sniffle and a blink. Um, did those things like continuously all the time and then my mom also told me that she had a tick growing up mm. uh, so i wonder if those two just combined and made themselves a, a super yeah. a super tick you were you were doomed do, do you um <laughs> do you have any siblings <laughs> yep two sisters two sisters and they don't have anything like that nope nothing they both um they were both had no no like genetic things going on. That's like me. Yeah, my I have a sister and a brother. Nothing there, just me. Yeah. Right, right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That's interesting too because, yeah, I just I can't wait until they figure out what the gene is and they can test for that gene because like exactly. a lot of a lot I guess that's why. Right now, Tourette's almost falls into like the soft sciences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it yeah. almost falls in, like it. It doesn't even fall into. I mean, it is neuroscience, but it almost falls into like the psychology mm. side because yeah. because it's so everything is so up in the air that like it's experimental. It's like when you go to therapy, it's like sometimes you try this and then you try mm -hmm. this and maybe this will work. And it's kind of like what Tourette's is. What even though it's studied as a neuroscience. Um, it, it right now I think the yeah. most, you'll find the most success if you approach it like a soft science yeah that's what it seems to be um and yeah that's why there's no hard like this is what causes it and this is what it is but um we're I mean I think I mean, we might be getting there I don't know um so this again this study also says that because of the behavioral problems associated with the Tourette's, right? And, right. Uh, and the, the, their presence, um, it says that the, so that, that the treatment of the comorbidities, like the depression and anxiety, et cetera, they say is at least as important as the tick reduction. At so least like, as important. Yeah. So like at least if not more important. And so that's really yeah. like similar to what we were just talking about, where if it's like, you know, what confers the chicken the egg kind of thing. But like if you can solve the uh comorbidities and which might prevent um you know the carrying on and you know normal life or whatever then the ticks could go away. And then like, 
that or not even go away, but like they'll just lose their weight. Mm -hmm. But again, like the last study said, like they actually will go away like later on. Yeah, it's it's actually it's so it seems from all this stuff, just by going over it briefly, that it's more important to like to do everything else that you can um, to make yourself just feel good. Basically, Mm. that's all it is. And then you can kind of like, maybe, you you know, you'll just grow out of it. Like it's, it's really, uh, that's where I do find that it, it, like the soft science part, because it's, it's almost like as much as it's biological, you can train yourself. Apparently, if you start young enough, like you can kind of train yourself out of it. I don't know. It's a, it's, it's almost like if you treat yourself and your Tourette's like you treat, like anybody else would treat any other symptom of anxiety or depression or OCD, mm-hmm. that it will help it. And I, I, that was said with sarcasm on purpose because <laughs> it's kind of obvious to me. Like if you reduce your stress, yeah. your Tourette's is probably going to get better. And if you learn how to manage your emotions, your Tourette's is probably going to get better. And if you learn more about your own mental health, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, working on all of working on yourself and developing your ability to work through things is probably going to help your trance. Yeah, that's true. And, and so listen, I'd actually, I think we do have time for this third one. And I did want to get to it because I thought that the, that the conclusion was really interesting and maybe like the most, most scientific you know, a quasi-scientific part that we got to, but um, cool. <clears throat> so this study, like I said, it's the official journal in the American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, tick severity in Tourette syndrome in over the first two decades. Okay, uh, it's an older study, 1998, um, but this stuff, I mean, there's not, it's it's not, <laughs> it's not abundant. So this is you know what we could find. Um, so they studied uh, 42 Tourette syndrome patients, um, children, okay? Uh, And the average age was 7.3 years old after their first clinical evaluation. So they came in and they were diagnosed or, you know, evaluated at seven on average. And there's 42 of them. They went with that, okay? Um, Data concerning onset and course of tick severity until 18 years of age was available on 36 patients. So out of the 42, they followed uh, 36 of them right until 18 years old. I imagine that some of them just didn't want to do it anymore or, you know, whatever. I'm sure that happens in science all the time, but um, they use... It's a long time to follow through, so... Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're, you're in high school, you've got other things, like kids, you know, have other things going on. They don't want to deal with that sometimes. Maybe they moved, you know what I mean? Like maybe they had to move across the country or something like their family's not going to do that anymore. Anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, it's really not (laughs) not that important. Um, Mm -hmm. So again, the same, same science, same results. The onset is about five, five point six years of age. Uh, Progressive pattern. Really surprises me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And look at this exact progressive pattern of tick worsening on average the most severe period occurred at 10 years old um in eight cases so 22 percent uh the frequency and forcefulness of the ticks reached a severe level during the worst ever period such that functioning in school was impossible or in serious jeopardy so about 22 percent of these kids when they were in their worst period um they couldn't go to school they couldn't they couldn't be successful in school that's interesting that's a lot that's a lot of kids though like that's a lot of a high percentage you know well that's literally eight. one in 400 kids in yeah, general was, out of the eight, general population yeah like eight kids out of uh 36 it's like <laughs> it's a lot um yeah uh sad uh in almost every was, case in almost every case, though, this is actually interesting too. In every case, their worst ever period, which they say um, peaks at 10, um, 
And in every case, out of the eight cases where they couldn't do school, or uh, it was followed by a steady decline in tick severity. Wow. You know, every case. In all eight of those cases, it's a small sample, I would think, but uh, obviously statistically relevant if they put it in their findings. So yeah, every one of those kids that was having trouble in school, uh, at their worst, it, it got better for them. Wow. So that's good news. Um, I mean, and, that is and, really good news. Even better news, by the age of 18 years of age, almost half of the of the 36 people were tick free. What? Yeah, 50% of them. Wow. By, uh, by 18. So uh, that's incredible. I had no and, idea. And and this one, uh, this this might go against a little bit of uh, our beliefs or what we've said before on the podcast, but. This study found that the onset of puberty was not associated with the timing or severity of ticks. That's not to say that it's not with, like we saw in that other study, the depression and anxiety it might. Right? Mm-hmm. This is that's just ticks, and as we already read, the ticks already decline statistically mm-hmm. at that time. But I think that interesting the comorbidities get worse. I, I would think so. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> The conclusion real quick, and then we can chat about it for a minute. Um, A majority of Tourette's syndrome patients displayed a consistent time course of tick severity. Okay, consistency can be accurately modeled mathematically and reflect normal neurobiological processes. So what they're saying is that because of the way that the ticks start at whatever age they increase to you know uh, in 10 years old at its worst and then they start to decline these scientists are saying that there there must be um, some sort of normal neurobiological processes that happen at that time that for people with Tourette syndrome it affects them a different way you know what I mean does that make sense yeah yeah. Like, like, because it's almost like, uh, obviously there's outliers, um, like us, for example, but, um, for the most people, it follows this, the same, uh, you know, uh, course of severity. Yes. And that's interesting to me because that's kind of like, that is what they, that is what science should be focusing on that the normal, the top of the curve um, for Tourette's like don't worry about us the people that you know never get rid of it like we don't yeah it, it focus on the majority of the people well it's 50 percent right um well 50 percent that uh like it was their, their ticks were completely gone yeah but in this study but I'm saying I'm saying like uh but in it seemed like in all of these uh let me see, because I think um, the mean, so the mean um, being the the average, right? Um, it was 5.6 onset, followed by, you know, up to 10 and down. So that's what I mean, focus on the mean, focus on the average and studying them, because that is what, that is the normal progression of Tourette syndrome. I yeah. guess. If it's if it's the yeah. average, like that's what yeah. everything's kind of deviating just from that standard deviation yeah. from that. Yep. And um. And the, the so I think like if if they kind of focus on like what happens in a child's brain at mm-hmm. these times, like what is it that's going on? Like that would that would have this effect like interesting i see what you're saying now. i didn't understand it at first but yeah sorry if i didn't yeah. explain it well enough but that's it what i mean be, like, um, you know like like there's there's there, i think there's a key there you know what i mean there's something that there's something that happens yeah that's what they're saying and too the science this i mean yeah that's it. their 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 hypothesis is that there's some process in the brain well that's the thing occurring. 
this isn't even this isn't even their hypothesis it's their conclusion but but i mean they don't know the process no they no they know there is a process yeah yeah exactly so their conclusion is that something is. happens mm -hmm. but they don't know what the process actually is so then they could for, you could formulate another hypothesis based off of their initial conclusion that says there must be a process and we predict the process is you know x well, i don't know yeah. i don't know the processes that occur at different ages but yeah and then they're saying that uh the by by understanding this um general cause then um they said that that can assist in the identification of factors that different uh that uh affect different patients in the course mm -hmm. of their tick severity because obviously everyone's different like we said but it seems that everybody's different with this but it's not as different as we thought no there's clearly a standard a standard mm -hmm. which is cool to like, so that's interesting so go ahead i was gonna say it almost just it it almost makes me feel uh calmer about it because it's like yeah a little bit of uh or order to the madness like totally just you know yeah 100 percent. it adds a little bit of yeah order to the to the mess of, mm -hmm. of it and we i mean a lot of what we say is that there isn't really much science and and there there while there isn't much science pointing in the direction of exactly where it came from and exactly how to treat it there is i guess a lot of science that state that at least gives you some aspect of normalcy yeah and i mean we can use what we've read today and kind of you know use it to hypothesize a bit too and and kind of understand yeah. things a bit better which i like i think so it's important. I, totally i've basically written down all the things you said which is so 86 percent is men that's interesting 10 to 12 is the worst age period for Tourette syndrome yeah both studies show that 22 so percent yeah 22 percent of people with Tourette's couldn't go to this is interesting couldn't couldn't go to school or their academia was severely affected at the worst of their Tourette's yeah that was in um in 22 percent of this particular study yeah yeah which I mean yeah I'd imagine that's probably true that was the case for me at that age yeah I mean it's like I know that we we're not scientists so we can probably generalize more than than a scientist <laughs> would want to but I I think that's fair to say yeah if they're publishing it and, as a result, then it has to be, yeah. you know, what, what do they say? If it's science then it can be repeated or the study has to be, you know, uh, you can, you can repeat the science or something like that. Peer is it peer review. Um, so yeah, yeah, let's, let's go with that. Also the word, I, I finally remember the word that I couldn't remember earlier, meta-analysis. Oh, meta-analysis. Yeah. Yeah. Meta-analysis of the study. It's yeah. when they compile a bunch of different studies and they look at all the data from it. So yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, this was, uh, I thought this was good stuff. Like I, I read these um, before we, like I, I read them yesterday when I found them, but uh, I didn't think about them as deep as we just got into it and, it, and it. And it really makes a difference when we discuss it and pick it apart a little bit. It really seems yeah. to have more impact and and more value to me when we do that. Mm -hmm. so I'm glad I, want to, um, I want to switch gears a little bit and read a comment that we got on one of our YouTube videos. If, mm -hmm. uh, if that's cool with you. Yeah, it's a good time for that. So the comment is, <laughs> first of all, his name is Bill Smith. Now I apologize, Bill, if that's your actual name, but that almost sounds like a fake name. Wow, I'm surprised to only find one comment here so far. That said, I think friends of those of us with Tourette's are often more defensive of us than we are. My son and I both have slash had it. And the funniest episode of South Park we ever saw was La Petite Tourette's. We can't let it bring us down, laugh at ourselves, and then we can legitimately laugh at others. And I think that was a good, funny reminder of uh, one, 
I think once you get to the stage of you're comfortable with your Tourette's, it allows you to laugh at it. And I, I remember being feeling much more uptight about everything broadly before, when, before I was comfortable with my Tourette's. And um, I just think that was a good reminder to, well, what we echoed at the start of this podcast, which is, you know, it's serious, but don't take it too seriously. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, uh, like Bill, right, Bill, um, mm -hmm. what he was saying there is like, it's almost like the people that don't have it are the ones that maybe even get more offended by this, like, or, mm. or come to our defense or something, which is great. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, if, you know, if we can all just laugh, like we can all laugh about it. I'm, I know that we were kind of getting a bit angry in the last episode and telling people to stay in their lane and whatever. But, um, you know, it's not like if I can laugh about it, if I make a joke about it, then you can laugh about it too. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, a, yeah, totally. like if I, if, you know what I mean? Like, I guess maybe for some people that's uncomfortable, but like, you know, like if I had, and this is, uh, I don't know about what you're allowed to say these days and stuff, but if I had like one arm, for example, um, I could make a joke about it. And if I made mm. a joke about it in a group of people, I would expect that group of people to laugh at it. I would yeah. not, I would not expect me to walk into the group of people and then someone else makes a joke about it that's not yeah. okay right no like that's unless totally it's different. your best friend yeah yeah that's that's totally different but i mean it's the same with Tourette's. like i don't i don't like you know if somebody's a comedian like we said last time was like on stage standing up there being like oh, i've got Tourette's, you know blah blah blah, blah. like yeah. like but like not actually representing it properly mm -hmm. like like totally misrepresenting it making it uh just totally like i don't know um just really dumping on it right that's not the kind not, of not even just dumping on it it's just like that's that's kind of like tip telling a poop joke yeah for a comedian yeah. like it's first yeah. of all it's not funny it's just like it's so rudimentary i i think comedians can and, sh and should make jokes about threats fine but do it yeah. in a clever fashion just as you make any other joke I don't really have, I've, I've gotten to disagreements with people before about whether or not people should be able to make fun of Tourette syndrome. And basically my perspective is like, you should be able to make fun of Tourette syndrome like you can make fun of everything else. I agree. It's just not, yeah. right? It's just not like, I don't know, there's ways to make fun of OCD. There are. Mm -hmm. Even Absolutely. though you have, like there, there are ways to make fun of OCD and, and they can be really funny or they can just be like, eh. There are really funny, I've heard really funny OCD jokes. Um, you know, you, you hear jokes really fun. Like, I love stand-up comedy. It's, like, one, honestly, one of my favorite Me things. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 like, try to write jokes, actually. Like, and I wanted to, like, I want to do that at one point in my life. I will. But, like, yeah. I love it. Um, and on stage. Yeah, exactly. And, I, you know, I could definitely, you could use Tourette's. I could use Tourette's there. But, like, um, I've seen self-deprecating comedians like um you know you see uh comedians who are um oh my god this is i don't want to butcher this but uh little people uh yeah that's what uh, we call well, it. i think it well i think it's uh little people or you know i mean the condition that you're talking about is dwarfism yeah but i like yeah. they, i've seen stand-up comedians um <laughs> dwarfism and they uh, and yeah. their whole set is just making fun of themselves, and it's hilarious. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. I've seen I've seen stand up comedians um, with you know a like all sorts of different um, conditions, and and they make fun of themselves about it, and it's hilarious because mm -hmm. because they are the ones like it's almost like they're owning it, right? Like we talk about mm -hmm. like they're saying you know all like isn't it funny? I'm not even gonna make a joke, but like because it's not me, but like. If it if it someone with Tourette's went on there and started making fun of themselves, uh, mm -hmm. it would be hilarious. But I don't want someone who has no idea what Tourette syndrome is going up there. Yeah, and talking about it. Yeah, I have a I have a joke that I tell to 
people sometimes about Tourette's and it's, I'm going to leave every name out of it, but I can sort of tell it on here, I guess. Um, I, I was in a, in a public space one time at a gathering with people with Tourette's and there was an individual standing there who was very large and, and proud and loud and saw a piece of Chris Neal memorabilia and I was delivering a speech at the time and in the middle of my speech this individual stood up and screamed Chris Neal at the top of his lungs just as loud as he could possibly do it and then the echolalias kicked in and like yeah. six other kids started going Chris Neal Chris Neal yeah <laughs> and it was it was really funny it was really funny and yeah. um, everyone laughed because it was funny and um, I like that that style of situation that is fun and that's a part of Tourette's and that, it's allowed and, to be funny and that could totally that could totally be made into a joke about you know like uh, I don't know like how do you how do you like what happens when you tell a speech at a Tourette's convention you know what I mean oh, like, like yeah. whatever like there's there's different things that you like that could be hilarious but uh don't talk about don't don't do that if you if you don't have it like if you don't have it yeah no one would do that like you would never um you would never do that with any other I mean we got into this before and we don't need to get into it again but Bill's comment just uh yeah like it 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 reiterates, it, I guess, uh, solidifies what we said last episode and this episode mm -hmm. where it is funny. It, it is, it can be funny, but there's a way that it can be funny. And, mm -hmm. and I think it starts with, with the people owning it and showing the world that it can be funny. The world doesn't need to tell us about it because we already know about it. 100%. Stay in your lane, right? <laughs> stay in your lane and if you're telling jokes about Tourette's and you don't have Tourette's do better hmm. or and this is honestly <laughs> a rule that I have with any joke any stand-up comedian right anybody if you are gonna make a joke about it and you don't have it it better be the funniest joke that anybody's yeah. ever heard if you make everybody with Tourette's laugh all at the same time then that's okay too, but that's tough. That's not gonna be easy. It's gonna be hard. But if it's but if there's a better, you know, someone can write a wicked joke about it, or if somebody listening mm -hmm. to this podcast knows of a comedian that's made a funny joke about it or or anything, like let us know, because I would love mm -hmm. to. I would love to hear it, and um, I'd be interesting. Maybe maybe that's what I'll do. I'll go and search for for jokes about it and see if there are any legit ones. A lot of people. A lot of people use it as. A, um, when they're telling a story or a joke, it's like, almost like he had Tourette's or something. Like yeah. if they use it in passing like that, and that that's not that funny. I get what they mean, but it's like, yeah. It's not, I mean, but that's, yeah, like it's it's become too, um, too just normal to say stuff like that. Where I yeah. can say it, I say it all the time. I'll, like I'll say to my, like I'll be doing something, I'll be like, oh, you know my treads it's my treads yeah. <laughs> i'll be like don't get mad at me like it's my tread like i yeah. can say that i yeah. can say it and why I, didn't, why didn't you do the dishes yeah uh, it's my treads my treads <laughs> and, and i legit and i let her say it if you know if she's if she's actually like asking like oh is that because you're treads yeah like that's mm -hmm. cool that's cool but um yeah like i can make a joke about it i don't need my boss making a joke about it you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. My opinion. If anybody wants to write in and disagrees with me, please do that. Exactly. Not so, like a hot take okay. or anything. Moral. Moral of the episode one: You can make a damn joke about it, but it better be funny. Two: There is quite a bit more, actually, than I was expecting. By the way, of science behind Tourette's syndrome and um I'm I'm impressed even with the small amount of studies there are but the I'm impressed with the conclusiveness of the findings at least in terms of like the consistency yeah they, they are consistent they seem to 
all go, uh, which is nice, right? Because then that makes it more true. It's not just yeah. guessing anymore. Yeah. All right. Are you good to wrap this That's up? Fine. Yeah. Another great episode in the books. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you enjoyed the podcast, remember to share it. We have merchandise available in the form of t-shirts with lots planned for the future. You can head to Tourette.ca or Tourette.org to find your local chapter in the Canada or the United States. And you can email us at tiktokpodcast at gmail.com if you have any topics, comments, or questions for us to discuss. Thanks for listening.